Welcome to the Soul Health Mentor Podcast with Nadia Kraus. Learn how to move your awareness out of your mind and into your heart so you can embody your divinity, experience joyous peace of mind, and create your most vibrant life by opening to receive your soul's sacred medicine. Hello, welcome back to Soul Health Mentor Podcast. Today, I have the honor to welcome back Sarah Carpenter from sarahthelifegotcoach.com. We already had a wonderful conversation. Sarah is coming back to Soul Health Mentor. We previously had talked about looking beyond the surface, seeing beyond the surface with Sarah Carpenter. That was episode number 43, and today we're doing the same thing. We're seeing beyond the surface. We're looking beyond the surface. We're talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and it's the topic of spiritual wounding. No, religious, actually, religious wounding and religious abuse. Welcome, Sarah. It's so wonderful you're here. Thank you for having me back. (laughs) I'm going to let the listeners in that when we first met, I knew that you, that's one of your podcast topics. And I, it piqued my interest back then. It was November. It was November, 2022 that we had our first episode and it piqued my interest. I wanted to talk about it, but I also remember telling you that day, it scares me still. I can't talk about it. It scares me. And sometimes we just have to trust divine flow. And we also have to trust divine timing and our own empowerment and healing journey. And now I'm ready to talk to you about it. And I just also, before we start, wanted to clarify spirituality and religion are two different things for me. So spirituality for me is my relationship with the divine. It's very, very personal. It has nothing to do with anybody else. There's no dogma. And religion to me is rules, regulations, dogma, and wounding and abuse can occur. And that's what we're talking about today. How come this is a podcast topic for you? Um, because in the work that I do, I help people connect to themselves, right? I help people um, set boundaries and make decisions based on their own needs and wants and experience. And what I have found is that is really hard for people when we have existed in cultures where there's always something external to us that's the authority, right? Where there's generally like in the context of religion, there's God, there's church leaders, there's, you know, doctrine and dogma that, that tells us how to be human and tells us the right way to be human. And often it's very much in conflict with our own knowing and identity. And so I think it's important just to highlight that for anybody who is exploring their own relationship with religion or their relationship with God, because, you know, the, the tricky thing about it is that the manipulation tactics that are used in religion is that if you question it, 
or if you explore it, that's Satan, that's the devil, that's something leading you away. And so there's so much shame around or so much fear also around even getting curious about those things. And so I think it's important just to put these resources out in the world for people to listen to and find themselves in these conversations and in these experiences. Yes, I I am so grateful. I'm so ready for this conversation. And I know it's going to be so valuable for the listeners because it's going to illuminate a lot of difficult topics. And I'm just going to share my background a little bit. It doesn't personally affect me. So I haven't personally experienced spiritual wounding or spiritual abuse, but my part- religious. Ah, I keep religious wounding and abuse. (laughs) Maybe, maybe it's in the same context. It's actually good that there's no coincidences because in spiritual communities, the same weird kind of stuff can happen. Absolutely. Yes. And so it's probably no coincidence that I keep having a blurb and saying it wrong. I guess what I should say is that I have not been spiritually wounded or religiously wounded. I grew up in a spiritual seeker family that was completely open, that my dad was born into Catholic. Um, My mom was born into Islam. I was baptized Catholic because I wanted to wear the pretty white dress. That was the reason for it. And all my girlfriends were getting it. And I just wanted to be part of that. And my mom left South Africa and then was Europeanized and started questioning her relationship with God and spirituality and religion and came to that same conclusion. "Mm -mm. Religion is someone else telling me what to do. No, my relationship with the divine is in my heart. It's my heart and soul. And I decide what's right for me. So we became the spiritual seeker family and I wasn't hurt or wounded in any way, but I have a partner and I married a man that was spiritually wounded, religiously wounded and abused. And when we moved to the States, that trauma ripped open, but we didn't know what was happening. We didn't know. So how can, if my husband would have known these things and maybe would have heard someone talk about it, what are the first signs of trauma abuse, wounding, how does it show up in your work? What are red flags kind of, is there something you've noticed? I mean, I think the biggest thing is not being able to trust yourself, right? Is, is like you have no trust in your own intuition and no, um, like somatic experience, right? Like everything is intellectualized in your mind And you find yourself spinning a lot, trying to make things make sense. I call it mental gymnastics, Mm -hmm. you know, where your body and your mind are like, this doesn't make sense, but then you feel like you have to make it make sense. And so you'll just, I mean, my experience was that I would just be like, oh, well, of course it's this way because of X, Y, and Z. And I would create all of these things that now in hindsight, I'm like, that makes no sense at all, you know, but, but I didn't want to, I had so much fear around, you know, the adversary getting to me, right? Like all of this doubt in my, there was a, 
in the religion I came from, there was a, uh, one of the authorities of the church said, um, doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith or something like that. And I was just like, and then I was like, oh yes, I have to doubt my doubts. Like what is happening? If I'm doubting, that means I've done something wrong. I need to pray harder. I need to be more diligent. Right. Instead of being like, no, my body actually is really wise mm-hmm. and compassionate and loving and empathetic mm-hmm. and all of these, those things, which I thought could only exist because religion had taught me those things only exist in the context of religion. Once you leave re- religion, you lose all of those virtues I'm saying in finger quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if you find yourself always questioning and always looking for an outside source, right? Whether that's, you know, looking for um, validation from the people around you anytime you have to make a decision or, you know, needing coaches or mentors or resources for everything that you do, that might be a good sign if, if there's no internal knowing, um, that might be a good first sign. Yes, you've touched on a lot of points that now in hindsight, I understand. So you talked about the missing self-trust, not having the ability to have that trust in self. That is also hypervigilance. It's I can't trust my environment. I can't trust myself and the mental gymnastics that then happen with that hypervigilance. This is what I can now see and follow. But this is also what's so crazy. Um, My husband had left the United States because he needed to get as far away as possible from the emotional and physical abuse under the, this is the hypocrisy under the, pretense of but you need to go to church and we are christian and if you don't accept jesus christ into your world into your heart you're going to hell and then all these things happening in this household bad bad physical and emotional violence and abuse so he got himself out of that violent environment and got to germany and started thriving He started thriving because he was far, far away from his abusers. And it was not, I couldn't see it. He was, he he now says he was always hypervigilant. He can now see it, but it, it, he was high functioning. So this is very, very important. Huge abuse now diagnosed as complex post-traumatic stress disorder, but highly functioning highly functioning. And so now I'm learning all this terminology in psychology because now there's healing happening. You mentioned somatic. So there's there needs to be somatic healing. There needs to be cognitive healing. There needs to be understanding so many things. So everything you said, yes, I can reflect back and say, yes, I can see it now. But when you're in it, you don't have the words for it. And it literally was spiritual healing work and spiritual transformational energy work that had us have a breakthrough, a a breakdown 
to have a breakthrough as a couple. How did you start your healing and empowerment journey? Um, that's a good question. I don't know that there was a beginning. I think there was just a lot of, um, I think there was a lot of me trying to make it all fit and it not, especially because just to give some background on me, I grew up in a very religious community and culture. I did not belong to that religion growing up. So until I was 20, I was very anti the religion. And then at 20, I, it was interesting. I, I had had this, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent just for context. I had, I was dating someone who was of the faith and I thought I was so smart and I'd be like, well, why do you do this? And he'd have this really logical answer. And I'd be like, well, why do you do this? And he'd have another, like anything I could bring up, he had this really logical answer for. And I was deeply spiritual. I had a very deeply connected relationship, direct relationship to God. And so, uh, you know, I, and, and honestly, if I'm being totally honest, I don't regret my time in the church because it provided a community for me. It provided many things that I needed at that time. And I think so much of who I am now and the work that I do is because I have the contrast of, I am not that I am not this I, I am not what this religion preaches. And I think having to go through that process and untangle myself from it has really helped me find myself and find my identity and to know exactly what I believe in. But I think for me, the process just was like having that experience prior, that that really spiritual experiences prior to becoming part of the church and just not being able to reconcile the two anymore. Just being like, the relationship with God, however you want to define it, that I had had my whole life, I could not find reflected in the church. And after time, you know, like, again, like so many mental gymnastics, you start to get exhausted of just like, I can't, I can't find any sign of it anywhere here. And for a long time, I stayed because I had this beautiful community who was very accepting and loving of me. Um, while I was living in another state, but then when I moved back to my home state, it's very cultural here. And so I didn't have that same open community and now I didn't believe in the doctrine and I didn't have the community. And I was able to kind of step back enough to just say, like, there is nothing here for me. None of this is who I want to be. And I feel in my soul. And at the same time, I think it's important to note, you know, I had become a life coach and I was on my own healing journey in general. And I think part of being in that process is what helped me just be like, I, I can't reconcile these things anymore. I know that I'm, I'm learning who I am and I am becoming. And the more becoming I do, the more, the further I get from this doctrine and these beliefs until eventually one day I was just like, I I can't do it. I can't go anymore. And and I I trusted myself that if I walked away and it was the wrong decision, that divine mm-hmm. connection that I had, I would it it I would know. I would know if I was making a wrong decision. 
And I, I have never even for a split second been like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have. It was just an absolute confirmed yes. And I, I think it's important though to, to distinguish my relation, my experience from the experience of many, because I didn't grow up in the religion. And so many of my peers who have left have had this experience so much harder because not only are they abandoning this structure that is home and familiar, it's their families that comes with so much judgment. You know, there's a belief that they are breaking the eternal family up, you know, like all of this shame and guilt that comes with it that for me, I didn't have to deal with because I, I didn't have roots in the church. So yes, that was a really long explanation <laughs> of that question. There was a lot of gems that I'm going to reflect back at you. There's a lot of gems that I could pick up because what we're doing is we're dancing together and we're sharing our journeys from different perspectives. Just like you said, I didn't grow up with it. I didn't either. So this is, gives me the chance to let the listeners and you know that in Germany, it's a different culture. There is no such thing as, oh, I'm going to go to church because that's where my community is. That has in, that is actually very outgrown. It is no longer part of modern life. So this whole thing that is happening in Georgia, where we've lived for the last eight years and it blows my mind that this region is called the Bible Belt. It's you don't have a community if you don't go to church. And that to me as a Euro European is really weird, is really, really weird. So that to be said, you find community just by making friends, just by being human, just by connecting. Hey, what do we have in common? What values, what what do you like to do? How do you like to have fun? That's how you make friends. It has nothing <laughs> to do with the church. And no German is going to stuff down. Things have changed. I do have to say, I haven't been living in Germany for 12 years. The pandemic has changed a lot. It has polarized humanity globally. So there's other things going on now. But when I left, nobody was stuffing things down my throat that I have to believe my way or the highway to me was an American thing. So I have to say that because that's the context I bring to the table. And it was literally my experience when I moved here. I had a lot of conversations where people were like, you have to believe what we believe because I'm not comfortable with you believing anything else. And I, when I also have to clarify when I was saying spiritual healing, it literally is Akashic Records work. It's past life regression. It is things that you cannot discuss in a church setting because you're going to go to hell, right? Yep. In the worst mm -hmm. case scenario. And all that was something I wasn't buying into. I didn't. So I had an advantage. I had that same divine connection. That's why I also say divine. I don't say goddess or, or God. I say divine because you can you can fill in whatever it is for you. But for me, it is the divine connection. And I've always had it. I've always had divine guidance. I've always had my intuition. I've always had my somatic responses. I've always had my spirit guide telling me what to do, not telling me what to do, but guiding me in the right direction. So this is your story enabled me to share and expand and to put it on the table, because this is so important. 
this is the conversation that needs to be had because when I met the family, right? There was no way they could manipulate me. There was no way because I so firmly stood in knowing who I am and how connected I am. And I could see right through the man manipulation and the BS. But having married someone that is a long, that grew up in that abusive environment, it is now catching up and now needs to be addressed and healed. And this is why I was ready for the conversation because since then I had to learn what is mine and what is his because of the wounding. And it's not easy. It's not easy to, to, to support someone in that healing, but that's why we're having this conversation. Did you have any kind of trauma come up? Because now we're going into that, you know, people will talk about anxiety all the time, but if you then work with a therapist, they might get a diagnosis. And um, have you ever experienced anything like PTSD or there's all these different things, or did you just do work through this intuitively? I can relate to that too. Um, I think for me, it was more intuitively because I had 20 years of growing, right? Like I had 20 years of development that didn't include religious conditioning. But when I look at my peers and I hear their experiences it's very different. You know, I mean, just the trauma of having your somebody else having authority over you in the most intimate things, like having to report sexual transgressions and having to go into, I mean, being a college aged kid, um, a virgin going into uh, my church leader's office and having to just confess that I enjoyed myself a little too much with my boyfriend, you know, and then having privileges taken away from me. And so this denial of humanity is, I mean, that is its own kind of trauma where your own basic human parts of yourself and it's not a coincidence that my home state is like the number one state for sex addiction, pornography, all of those things. Because when you deny someone their humanity, then it becomes like it, it, it becomes this thing that now I have to find in all of these sneaky or toxic ways because I can't, I'm not allowed to, I'm not allowed to embrace them in healthy human ways. Yeah. Right. And so I think, I think the trauma, I think the trauma for me was just the years I spent having someone sell my humanity and my spirituality back for the price of obedience right? It's like I went into this religion having a deep connection with God. And then this religion saying like, the only way you can have that connection is through us. So having to, you know, there's this, there's this practice of receiving the gift of the Holy ghost. And it, that never made sense to me because my, I always felt that I always had it. And once I 
joined the church, I felt like it was taken, not given to me, it was taken away from me. And now there's this middleman that's like, oh, I'm going to sell you back what for literal money, right? Like you can't, you can't, um, participate in some of the most sacred experiences in the church, unless you are paying, you are a full tithe payer. And so it's, they are literally selling you your faith back to you or your relationship with God back to you. And I mean, just, it it like hurts my heart and my soul still to see and to witness and to recognize how numb you have to be, how much you have to disassociate Mm -hmm. to exist in it, you know? Um, So many things. May I reflect back? Because there are so many things. So what you said, I love that you shared that. Because trauma, there's all kinds of trauma. And you don't need a diagnosis, not at all. It's just sometimes it's helpful in the process of healing to like, okay, I'm not crazy. (laughs) There's this thing Mm -hmm. that is now diagnosed and now we can tackle it. But what you described is definitely trauma. It is definitely trauma and it is definitely also a form of, of violence, but it's sneaky. It's manipulative. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't quite, it's intangible. It's for energetically sensitive people. It's super icky. You can feel it and you might get nauseous and want to vomit if you're having that somatic response. So I just wanted to reflect that back so the listeners can really um have their own experience in this interview of just talking from different perspectives and the part where something so natural is then denatured, the natural connection that you had to the divine was denatured and manipulated to manipulate you and to have power over you and to control you and to get gain benefit from you in whatever way and that is just something I have never ever experienced living in Germany so that kind of abuse and wounding every country has its own wounding and abuse and Germany has the history of the war and Hitler and um, genocide and other horrible horrible things so nobody's perfect we've all done some really crazy things but that part of it was so shocking for my system because as an empath, as a highly energetically energetic person, I just kind of soaked it up because it's in the land. It is in the land because here we have slavery and we have the, the Christian wounding. Like, And it is, it, it is right here. It's everything in the name of God, but hurting others. And so that your share got, got my story going and I, and it's also a type of healing. It's a type of healing. And that's why we're talking about it today. And one more thing that I wanted to say, what you mentioned about you have to numb yourself and you have to, it literally is traceable in the sense, because I work with the Akashic Records, it's, it's memory loss, it's programming. It is you, and you have to do it. It's like you have to amputate your own arm spiritually to to not to be able to withhold this kind of pain to be so disconnected so I just wanted to mention that that is part of the spiritual healing work that I do and it is real so that's just what what I wanted to I can confirm it 
Yeah. And you know, it was so interesting. Just uh, one of the things that really just kind of a funny anecdote that really pushed me to be like, okay, this is absolutely not for me is that when you're in a religious culture, you stick within your religious culture, right? Like you don't spend a lot of time outside cultivating friendships that, you know, with diverse opinions and life experience, because there's so much, even though I was very liberal in in my faith, and even though I was very open-minded and I felt so not judgmental, when the foundation is one true, one truth, like there's only one right way to be human and we can love everybody else, but they're missing something, Right you end up just being in this homogenous pool. And I, I was recently divorced and I was like, you know, getting back in the game on dating apps. And I was in these religious, these, you know, um, religion based dating apps because I wanted to marry somebody of my own faith or whatever. And I remember scrolling through these profiles and just being like physically crawling out of my skin that like, I mean, it was just like, fuck no, you know, like, I don't want this so much patriarchy and sameness and just, I didn't have any language for it at the time, but everybody was so numb everybody's just trying to fit into this box and every profile was exactly the same. And you can hear in my voice that I feel very passionately about it because I just, it was so overwhelmingly disheartening for me that like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get divorced and then I'm just going to end up in the exact same suffocating kind of environment. And I, I had a friend who happened to be a dating coach and she's like, why don't you try a different app? She's like, why don't you get on like Tinder or something? And I was like, Ooh, but that's where all like the hookups happen. Like that's gross. <laughs> and she was like, just, there's all kinds of people just get on and try it. And so, yeah, there's lots of, you know, you find whoever you're looking for, but I remember just this pool of really interesting people with life experiences, stories and different perspectives and different interests. It was just like, these are my people. Like this is, this feels good in my body. This feels relatable. Like I could actually see myself dating someone and it not being that like suffocating, strangling feeling, (laughs) you know? And so and, and the same with friendships. And I adore still my friends that live in the church, but, or that are still part of the church, but there is this small window of existence. I can exist between these two walls. There's no room to expand my perspective and my view and my acceptance of humanity because it bumps up against church doctrine, right? Like it's, you know, like there's a lot of anti-gay rhetoric and there's a lot of like, you know, sexual morality has to fit within this box and gender roles have to fit within these box. And people are kind of trying to push on those a little bit, but like it's baked into the generations and into the history and into the culture. And so you find yourself living in this bubble and I can meet people in that bubble. That's fine, but I am not going to limit myself 
to that because there's just and if you don't can I keep can I keep going <laughs> there's one more thing that I that I find so interesting is that when I thought about leaving the church or anytime I questioned anything, it would, I, I would just be like, oh, I don't know where I would be without the church. Like I would probably be an alcoholic living on the streets, you know, like I believed I had been fed this lie that my capacity to love and to be a moral and good human was dependent on my obedience and membership in the church. Yeah. And what I have found is that what I used to only be able to find in the four walls of a church, that deep connection, that spirituality, which I genuinely felt, I now find in the most mundane things, mm -hmm. right? My spirituality and my love and my depth of like feeling and being able to be with people and to love them like deeply and wholly without an asterisk, without thinking that they need to be a little bit different. And I love them, but hopefully they'll see the light eventually, like just loving people where they are mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm so sad. I denied myself that for so long, mm -hmm. right. That I put these parameters around love and acceptance and belonging and all of these things. And I have become so much more empathetic and so much more compassionate and so much kinder leaving religion, even though religion told me I could only find that if I obeyed. Right. And so, you know, for those who are afraid that if they leave, they're not going to have a moral compass anymore and they're going to spiral down into the depths of whatever, just know that you won't, that there's just beauty and love. And I would say, and just in the Christian context, much more Christ-like experiences outside of the church than I ever had inside. So what I love about your share, and this is where I just trust, I trust that we're having this wonderful conversation about a really difficult topic. And I'm coming from a completely different background and I was shocked by feeling certain things, sensing th certain things, not having words for it, just like you said. The somatic mm -hmm. experience is there. And I just have to say icky. And I want to vomit. And it's disgusting. And it's ugly. And it's literally, that's it. I want to crawl out of my skin. I can, it's energy we're picking up. And as I said, it's in the land, it's in the history. And I just want to bring modern life. You brought it into modern life in the sense of dating and apps, but having that somatic experience and realizing, no, no, this is the wrong group. No, uh, -uh this doesn't work. And you can experience everything that you're told you can't. Yes, you can, because it's just a way of controlling. And I just have to say what the perspective I want to offer is, that I did not have that growing up. There is other things going on in Germany, of course. And that, like I said, the pandemic has changed a lot, um, but I didn't grow up that way. I only came to the United States at 39. So I lived in Germany for 39 years. I'm now turning 48. So it is most of my time. I, my memory is not of weird things and things that made me feel like ick factor and abuse and violence. I only felt that coming here, a lot of it. And it's scary. That's why I couldn't talk about this. And what I wanted to say is just to ground it a bit, because I do spiritual energy work and it's 
And apparently, this is apparently, apparently there is talk of the book of life in Gnostic Christianity, which is a different, I don't have enough history background, but the book of life, imagine everybody has a book of life and there's wisdom to be found there. And what you mentioned, obedience, suffering, silence, sacrifice, those are vows made in the name of the church. So you're literally giving your power away to outside sources when your soul and your heart and your divine power lives within you. Yep. Exactly. So that yeah even things like having to wear um and this will probably give away the religion but having to wear these the specific underwear right like you wear these specific things under your clothes um because it's what helps keep you protected and close to god Mm -hmm. and just i remember every time in the middle of the summer being so hot and so uncomfortable and having to cover my body so that I could be responsible for the attraction or desire of men, right? Like that was my responsibility for men to not desire me. Just the, like, I felt so controlled, right? Like And even again, going back to my own relationship with God, feeling like the God that I know, my own divine experience Mm -hmm. without the context of the church, doesn't demand love by sacrifice and discomfort. It doesn't demand suffering in order to prove anything like that just never made sense to me that I have to make myself miserable to show you that I love you to show like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that for my own kids, right? Like I don't want my kids to be miserable, to prove that they love to me. That goes against everything in my maternal nature, right? Like, and so that was, I think one of the big things that felt so like you, the ick factor for me was just like, this does not make sense. Like anything worth having doesn't demand your suffering, right? Doesn't demand your denial of self and your humanity and your ability to openly and fully love other people, you know? And I just witness so much now that because in religious cultures, we have never been, especially when you're born in it, you've never been connected to self, right? Like you've always had something telling you what's right and how to be and what correct looks like. And so you have these really, um, what's, I don't know, toxic, that feels like too soft a word. Mm-hmm. Um, people who hold so tightly to this idea that there is one right way to be human, no matter how much information or stories or experiences they're presented with, because if that gets questioned, right, then everything crumbles and there's no self to come home to because that's never been developed. And so you have these 
cultures and communities of people who live and die by doc doctrine in finger quotes or whatever, right? Religious ideology, because that is all they have. And so the brain will, will jump through whatever hoops and rationalize and twist and whatever to make it make sense and to make it righteous also in finger quotes, mm -hmm. because there is nothing, if that crumbles, then there, then there's nothing, there's nothing to fall back on. There's nothing, there's no home. And I think that is one of the biggest, that is the biggest disservice that religions do is, is disconnects people from themselves in such a way that, you know, I think for some people, there's no, there's no returning, there's no finding self at this point. I mean, I have hope for everybody, but that's a long, that's a long journey. Everybody's on their own spiritual path. And the things you just mentioned, it is interesting looking at history. And I'm a multicultural. My mom was South African, my grandpa Persian Indian, my grandma Portugal Italian, Islamic religion, right? Then South African Indian is is a it's its own culture. There is certain things that are taught. There's a lot of hypocrisy because the woman needs to be a virgin but the guys can do what they want and mm -hmm. it's okay you know and my dad came from the catholic and the same thing I have a half sister that got pregnant very early on I think she was 18 and then I had to always hear that I can't do things because I'll get pregnant and we need to prevent that and so even though my family was a spiritual seeker family, eventually there was still this conditioning that doesn't even come from my parents. It comes from their parents and their mm -hmm. and their parents. So here I am, this multicultural daughter that gets to see all of these different aspects. And then the mother that decides mm -mm, this, this religion thing, this, this doesn't work for me. I, I'm seeing things that are hypocritical. My dad, totally open, he he would pray, if he was in South Africa, he would pray the Islamic way five times a day. He would fast, he would, he would love the community, the community gives back. And then he comes back to Germany and we were living close to an American, military American community. And we'd go to Mormon church. And I remember being at Mormon church at 10 and being, highly energetically sensitive, all I felt was love. It was beautiful. So that was, there was no weird stuff going on. All I felt was family, community, love, and peace. And I think my dad was really impressed with the young men and what he said, their purity. That's, that was he, his words. And then my aunt that was born into Islam turns Orthodox Jewish which all kinds of other weird things, also something with when intercourse happens, certain rituals and where you're like, oh my goodness. And so all my life, I've just heard of all these different things while being completely anchored in my own divinity, my own connection, my own guidance, and I'm not threatened by anybody. So I've talked to people, what do you call, what's the term when, Atheist, that's the term. Mm -hmm. I've talked to atheists and I sit there and I listen. And I'm like, wow, 
with his or her worldview, with his or her, their logical train of thought. I'm like, oh, I can see why you think that. I can see why you believe that. And I actually can't say anything because that's your worldview. And because I'm not threatened, because I'm secure in myself, I don't have to convince them because they are on their own spiritual path. So nobody needs to worry about anybody because everybody is on their own path. And that was just what was coming up in, in, in my awareness as you were sharing, just so we have both sides of the of the coin. Yeah. And I really do bring a little bit of a different energy into the conversation because I have a different background. And the reason I was ready to talk about this difficult conversation is because I'm currently going through the healing with a partner and, and having to see what it actually did to him that he has to now learn to undo and realizing there's more of him. There is more that under the pretense of we're good. And I have to mention the religion because that's what it was. We are good Christians. Um, go to church, do this because you'll go to hell if you don't. But then daily abuse, emotional and physical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I only aspire to be able to have that perspective of, and not being threatened. I think in my world, being surrounded, for example, by so many queer kids and the suicide rate being so high in my community that like, I can let people be on their own spiritual journey and their own spiritual path, but I can't deny and disconnect from the harm mm -hmm. that it causes. Yeah. Right. Like if it was just you living in your own bubble and being who you and whatever, like that's fine. You know, like that, that's okay. I can, I, I don't care what you believe. I do care when your beliefs harm these innocent kids that I love. Yes. You know what I mean? Like then that's when, that's where the boundary comes in for me is that your, but when your beliefs start influencing the laws that affect my people that I love, then like, then, it, it, then it doesn't, that doesn't work anymore. Like then something needs to shift and change and we need to start having these conversations. And, you know, like, I mean, yeah, like it's easy for me to just, I, I can find the good and love everyone. And then on an individual basis, I can see where people are coming from. I can see why, just like you said, you know, through the lens of their experience and their beliefs, I can see why they behave the way they do. I can see, and that doesn't make it, that, that doesn't make the harm. Okay. You know? And so I don't know, that's where it gets a little, that's where it gets a little tricky for me. And I think that's what I'm, what I'm navigating when I left I left very amicably, you know, like I'm just, this isn't for me anymore. I'm just going to step away. I still love all of you. You keep doing what you do. I, I respect and appreciate your views. I'm going to live over here. And now it's been maybe four ish years 
And I find myself angry a lot because I can see the manipulation and the abuse and the harm, so much harm that comes from forcing kids to deny their identities and their humanity. And and that's just one, you know, right? Like that's just one example, but even like, even things like smaller things like the shame around divorce or, you know, these things where we can have an inner knowing that this isn't working, this isn't healthy, this isn't safe, but I am going to be abandoned by my community Mm -hmm. if I make this choice, you know, like that's too much to ask of people, you know, and that's where my, I think my heart gets broken a little bit. I love, I love that you brought this in. I really love and respect that you brought in this perspective because it's not on my radar. Because again, it is coming from Germany. Sexuality is just sexuality. And in the 39 years I was in Germany, I had never heard of this violence against the L, what is it? LQ? LGBTQ. It's a lot. It's um, <laughs> against that community. It is, it is, it has never crossed my everyday life. My mom's best friend was homosexual and there was no stories around it. Like I've never heard violent stories around it. So again, I come here and, and it's seen and it's not okay. And there needs to be activism. And of course, of course, if I was ever in a situation where there was any kind of weird stuff going on, I would stand up because it's BS. It is, it's just not on my radar because 39 years, I didn't have that awareness of, oh my goodness. And I think it's also our world right now. It's breaking open all these systems that are broken all these things that are happening that need to be flooded with love, but literally all that negative behavior is just fear. Fear of losing control, fear of losing power, fear of I don't have power over you anymore if you know who you are. And so this is a very important part. And yes, absolutely, because love is love. And being an incarnated soul your soul is pure love your body is human and if there's a soul that cannot feel at home in a female body hey hats off to that soul because what they are going through with with the operation and with the I can't even comprehend and then I've seen you know interviews or things have like shows where I'm like, wow, they are so happy now. How, who am I to judge? Right. So I'm really, really glad you brought that in. And I know we've had a really wide and broad conversation and there's no one truth. There's no right or wrong. I think the seeing beyond what we did together and the looking beyond the veil is literally don't, for me it is, don't give your power away to outside sources and question, question, trust yourself and do the healing work. Like you said, you work with clients, people, you do community work. If you are listening to this interview and you're like, "Ah, I want to talk to Sarah, how can they find you? 
Yeah. My email, best way is just to email me, Sarah at sarahthelifecoach.com. And my, my website isn't super active, but my Instagram is so, and it's just, uh, Sarah Carpenter coaching on Instagram. So you can find me there. And I love having conversations. I think one of the most, one of the, my favorite things that I can do with people is to help them discover how amazing they already are. You know, my, my professional work is centered around helping people step out of this hustle culture, stepping away from their worth, being on the other side of some sort of productivity, whether it's a healing journey and I have to like heal, but, and then I'll be worthy, or I have to be successful and then I'll be worthy, or I have to have, you know, whatever this is, our, our culture. And it's so overt and, and subtle at the same time, we get this message from everywhere that we need to be constantly going and doing and becoming and healing and all of the things. And really my work is about helping people find peace at home, right where they are so that whatever healing happens or whatever they want to do, they can do from a place of like, this is what I want. And this is where I want to go. Not, I have to do this so I can become worthy you know, and that's such a different way, such a different way of experiencing the world. And so being able to hold space with people and just reflect to them, like, of course, like, of course, this is what you're feeling. Of course, this is where you are. Look at what a beautiful soul you are and what things have led you to this moment. And you're doing a good job. Yes. If people are on, um, Marco Polo, maybe I'll send you the link. I have a share cast in Marco Polo that is called you're doing a good job. So if you ever need just regular reminders, that's a great place to find them. Yeah, please. I'll put it all in the show notes, soulhealthmetro.com oh. and on the blog, you'll be able to find the details of that. And I was just wanting to talk about this topic because I think it needs awareness. It needs yeah. awareness. And I was finally ready to have for me, a difficult conversation because there's, I'm not from this country, from, from the US. I'm German. I have a German passport, green card holder. This whole time I've been here, I've felt like a guest in the country because if a law changes, I'm out of here. And I have respect. And I also have a certain kind of neutrality because I'm a guest and I'm just watching. And then I can only stand for myself and my truth, and what I've experienced. And so my intention behind this interview was just to shed light onto a really difficult topic. And it's a little bit, you don't talk about it. You don't talk about it because it's so difficult and because it can be triggering. But I think we did a good job. <laughs> and thank you for inviting me into the conversation. It is something that I feel so deeply and passionately about not because I want to prove that I'm right, or I want to like make people see things through my lens, but I want people to be able to be connected to themselves. I want them to be able to make whatever decisions, even if that's staying within your religion or whatever, but whatever decisions and wherever you can find yourself and your own grounded centered peace like, that's what I want for you. It doesn't have to be through my lens or my point of view, but I just feel like our culture and our society would benefit so much 
from people being able to know what feels right for them and to make those decisions instead of disassociating and shutting themselves down and having to do have the power over like you said in order to be able to survive or exist you know so thank you so much for inviting me in to have this conversation I really appreciate it thank you for being here today thank you for listening to the soul health mentor podcast with Nadia Krauss if you like what you heard Please subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are playing. 